This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by Fish Bites. Head on over to fishbites.com and take a look at the main selection of baits that they have. They've got great fishing strips you can cut down to use in the surf. You can use them on the deep sea side. They've also got the Fight Club, Dirty Boxers, lots of different names that are there for their swim baits. All fully scented are completely packed with scent, let me rephrase that properly, and almost completely biodegradable. The only things that aren't are the glitter and the mesh. So thank you so much, Fish Bites. Appreciate you being a part of this show. Thanks for always taking care of me. Head on over, everyone, to fishbites.com. Get your bait on order. And if you got want to go into the tackle shop, they've got a lot of stuff on there as well. Rods, reels, apparel, lots of good things available. This week on Finding Demo Surf Fishing... We're going on another little bit of road trip. We're leaving Florida. I know a lot of you are like, why? Why are we leaving? Because you need to know more about the world. That's what my goal is anyway. This week, we are heading over to Mississippi. And not one person. We're talking to two. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to David Laughlin of Salt Sippy Fishing and J.R. Clayhorn of Mississippi Salt. Combined, tons of knowledge. And their YouTube channels will blow you away. So, you're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. All right, new week. Hope you are doing well wherever you are. I hope the fishing has been phenomenal. You've been just crushing limits and trying new things. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. I know I got a ton of knowledge out of California. I did not expect that, but it is going to be a game changer, I think, for a lot of us to be able to play some of that stuff in the surf. But this week, like I said, we're heading over to Mississippi. Uh, I have only driven through Mississippi a couple times when I was uh, traveling full-time in my RV. Uh, I believe I stopped in Biloxi, uh, right down there off the military base. And uh, when I first heard of Salt Sippy and Mississippi Salt, I started looking at it. I'm like, wait, that water doesn't look like Biloxi did. This water looks a little different. And then I was just like, all right, now I'm going down a hole. And I did. And it was really, it was a great hole. So these guys have got a ton of knowledge, like I said. And I really think that you guys are going to pick up some really cool things here. And especially if you're going to travel over to the Mississippi area, just you can't go wrong. So without further ado and me flapping my jibs the whole day, welcome to the show, Dave and JR. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Oh, man. It's like been, I don't know, it's been weeks for this one. So well, let's start off the fun stuff. David, your channel is Salt Sippy Fishing, right? That's right, yep. And when I started my channel uh, about a year ago, I was trying to figure out a name, and I actually wanted to name it Mississippi Salt. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a, I've never told JR this, uh, but, you know, there, there's a channel called Alabama Salt. I think, and um, I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to make Mississippi salt, and I said, well, let me Google that to make sure nobody else is using it, and lo and behold, there's already a channel called Mississippi Salt, and it's JR's. He had just created it, and I hadn't heard of it yet, but I would have heard of it soon, because it started <laughs> to get some traction shortly after that, <laughs> so I said, well, I think I'll go with uh, Salt Sippy. That's close enough. <laughs> nice. Well, welcome to confession time. JR, there you go on that one, huh? <laughs> 
it's funny how that worked out because I think I started that channel right right before you actually started yours. I think we're pretty close as far as our time frames. And yeah. uh, I noticed yours popped up and it and it tickled me to see the salt sippy. I, I figured you would try for that one. <laughs> I tried not to plagiarize too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's really comical that you guys were both on the same wavelength there. With, and that was before you guys even knew each other, right? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Um, we kind of met through YouTube, JR and I, and uh, we actually got together and did a trip a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. It's been yes, great it meeting people through YouTube. I've met a lot of folks, a lot of viewers, and it's just a great community of folks that can get connected through social media like that. It's great. Yep. It's amazing how social media does have some aspect of connecting us. So I'll, I'll take those when we can, right? That's right. All right. Well, let's go round robin here. Um, like always, I'm going to follow the same format. We're going to do questions, and we're going to rock into the good stuff at, you know, in no order, however we would do here. So... Um, David, if you want to lead off here, and then Jr., then we'll flop them back and forth. Uh, tell us about tell us about you. What got you into fishing? Tell us your story. Well, I grew up here on the Mississippi coast, and I got into fishing at a really young age. Uh, when I was about five years old, my dad got this inflated rubber inner tube from a huge tractor tire. And he bolted a seat to it, like a like a two by six, onto the top of it as a seat and a place for me to put my feet. Nice. And he would bring me down to the beach in that thing, and you know he would tie it onto his belt, and he would go wading out in the water throwing lures for speckled trout and redfish, and he just towed me around on that thing, and I was just along for the ride. And he would throw a cast net and catch some live bait for me to use, some shrimp or mullet or you know whatever was there. And I just kind of tagged along and, and fished with them and caught whatever was biting. And a lot of times it would be, you know, the dreaded hardhead catfish. I think you'll have those over in Florida. We do. Sure. We definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some things never change because I'm, I'm still pretty good at catching those. I catch a lot of those. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just went with him and started getting experienced to fishing and, and being around him doing that and I, I really got an interest in it at a young age and we would go camping too for several days at a time on the barrier islands here here in mississippi and just fish in the surf all day long come back to the camp you know we'd cook speckled trout at the camp for dinner and that started you know a hobby for me which which honestly today is is more like a obsession <laughs> or an or an addiction because I I just can't get enough of it. I still love to fish. I mean, it's always exciting. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, each trip something different could happen. I mean, this could be the the trip where I catch my new personal best. You know, anything can happen. And you know, I, I was fishing with Jr. a few weeks ago, and he was retrieving a speckled trout. And a dolphin came up and hit it and, and started running off with it and started stripping the line off his reel and thrashing around and putting on the show. And I'd never seen that happen in all my years of fishing. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. Each trip's always exciting. And, you know, I think anybody that, you know, really loves to fish, you know, that feeling you get when you get that first strike of the day and you hook up with fish or, 
those days where you're grinding so hard, not catching anything, and then it finally comes together and you get a quality fish, I mean, that's a great feeling. And it, it's even better when friends and family are there to share the moment with you. And, I mean, I, I just go to chase that moment again and again, and it just never gets old. I love it. Oh, that's good stuff right there, man. Oh. Hell of a way to go, though. I mean, getting hooked up and, wait, let me guess, throwing the Zeb, uh, like a Zebco or a Doc Demon? Yeah, I had a little uh, push-button Zebco. Yep. I think they were, what they call it, an 808 or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> and I remember one time fishing with him, I hooked a Stingray. And, you know, Stingrays, you know, they can get pretty big. Yep. And it just about stripped all the line off that thing. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I was probably like six years old. And, you know, I didn't catch a lot of, you know, I didn't catch a lot of speckled trout and redfish, you know, fish. I was usually fishing with a, a live bait or a piece of cut mullet or something, which can work great for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder. But you also catch a lot of other things, too, like the stingrays and the hardheads. But I, I just remember going on some of those trips with him. And, you know, I would see him throwing a lure and catch a big speckled trout as long as his arm. And I was like, I want to do that one day. And so it came, you know, later with time, you know, but I just started fishing there on the beach. It was, you know, right by our house. I went all the time and I still do it. You know, I, I have a boat now and I go out of my boat a lot, but I still go to the beach and keep fishing there because it's so awesome. You know, to go fish on the beach, it's, it's, it's easy to do. You don't need a boat to do it. Just drive down to the beach and fish. And when you get done, you go home, and there's no boat to clean. You don't have to put gas in the boat. You're done. It's great. It's convenient, and it's easy. Yeah, I can imagine, especially not having to put the gas in. It's kind of a nice little nice treat in the end there. Yeah, the gas has gotten a little pricey these days. Um, <laughs> I've been looking into, like, selling a kidney, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> trying to pay for it. <laughs> I understand. All right. Well, Jr. What about you, man? What what? Uh, tell us about you and what got you into fishing. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, you know, it all started when I was real young. My dad was a big time fisherman, and he really got me into it. Uh, some of my earliest memories come from fishing Clark's Hill Lake up in Augusta, kind of right on the Augusta, uh, Georgia, South Carolina line. And he did a lot of striper fishing, striper and hybrid. And I've got quite a few memories of growing up fishing with him first thing in the morning he would run a paper route at night and as soon as he got done with that we'd load up the boat and go and of course because of that he'd set the lines down in the water and fall asleep and wait for me to catch fish <laughs> convenient lifting with your kids yeah. not not that any of us ever do exactly. that <laughs> but uh the striper fishing got me started in fishing um we'd, we'd use live bait drop drop our lines down off the side of the boat uh, fishing some pretty deep water and some of the best memories I have is just watching that rod tip just dive down, down to the tip of the water and, and just setting the hook on these fish. Um, that kind of led me into doing more fishing uh, where I ended up moving to Alabama. And I had a lot of local ponds close by the house that I could walk to. And that became my life. After school, that, that's all I did. Me and a buddy, we would take off to the local ponds, do a lot of bass fishing, crappie fishing. And uh, ended up with my personal best bass out of one of the local private ponds. I've got a 13-pound bass I've got on my wall that Ooh. I was able to get mounted on my uh, senior year of high school, actually. That's, that's, yeah. that's, wow. 
That's big. Yeah, that's my that's my pride and joy out of a little private pond in Alabama. Congratulations, man. 13-pounder. Jeez, that was a big belly. Yeah. Yes, it was. Caught it in a little canoe with a, uh, a six-inch lizard. Actually, I don't remember the color, but uh, there was this local pond, and there was about three or four houses on this pond, and the other side was wooded. And a buddy of mine and I went down there and basically started knocking on doors, asking, hey, can we fish uh, you know, behind your house along the water line? And we actually had one of the homeowners say, yes, you know, don't leave any trash, anything like that. You know, y'all are more welcome to fish. So we get out there and go fishing, and his next-door neighbor is out there in his canoe. And I got to give a shout-out. His name is Mr. Andy, and uh, he was a huge influence in my fishing growing up. Uh, because of him, we were able to use his canoe whenever we wanted. It was basically show up, park your car, jump in the canoe, go have fun. So people like that helping kids get involved in fishing at a young age and not out doing other things um, really made a huge difference. Oh, man, I can imagine. So you grew up and you did that. So what kind of fishing do you do now? Um, uh, primarily salt saltwater fishing now since we've moved to Mississippi. Mm, wow. I gave up a little bit on the fresh. All right. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more options out there in the saltwater. So uh, growing up, <laughs> You know, there's only so many fish you can catch in, in, in the south in a freshwater pond or a lake. So getting that saltwater experience and getting to try out new fishing techniques and different styles of fishing for different fish uh, keeps it exciting. Okay, I can understand that one. So, David, you were born and raised in Mississippi. Right, This is home for you. It's your backyard. Yeah, so, yeah, I was born and raised in Mississippi. Um we lived over in Europe for a couple of years. My dad was a ship captain over in the North Sea. We lived over in Holland, and we moved back to the United States when I was probably about five. And, you know, when when adulthood came, you know, I had to go find gainful employment. Yeah. <laughs> and Adulting's a trap, it eventually, man. Yeah, it's, you know, and, you know, it eventually took me away from the coast, and I lived much further north in Mississippi for about six years, and I missed the coast dearly. I mean, I, I didn't realize how much I loved it until I was gone from it for, for a while. And I did a lot of bass fishing while I was away, and I really liked it, but, you know, kind of like J.R. was saying, it, it's just not the same. I mean, saltwater fishing is explosive, it's exciting. It's different. There's such a variety. You can catch so many different fish. And, you know, when I when I was away, you know, the weekend would come and my wife would say, hey, what do you want to do this weekend? And I'd be like, well, you know, why don't we uh, go down to the coast and uh, visit the family? And she'd be like, <laughs> well, we, did, we just did that last weekend. You want to go fishing again, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <I do. laughs> I mean, yeah, but I want to see my family, too, you know, when we show up. Yeah. And then when I say goodbye and I, I go mean, to the water. I mean, I might go fish for 10 hours, but I'll see him for a few hours. You know? <laughs> I'll see you at dinner. <laughs> I, I just couldn't stay away from it. And, you know, it, it's like it's in my DNA to, or something, you know. I've, I've got to be here and fish. And when I had the chance to move back to the coast a couple of years ago, I didn't hesitate. I did it, and I love it. And Mississippi has been my home. And, you know, our beaches here and our water, you know, they don't compare to the scenic places like Orange Beach or like the Emerald Coast of Florida, like Navarre Beach or Destin. But the cost of living is really low here. 
and we have a great fishery here and it's not a bad place to be if you love to fish and people are starting to figure it out and people are moving here and it's it's been booming in recent years a lot of people are retiring and coming here uh, i love it oh, that's good stuff right there man I'm, I'm always a big fan of seeing the sport grow i mean it doesn't matter where it is but I'm, i love hearing that yeah we have more charter guides down here now i mean when i was growing up you know, the coast was kind of a sleepy little place, you know, small towns, and it's just really blown up in the last 30 years. And we have more charter fishing guides here than we ever have had before. And, you know, we're, we're getting on the map as a, as a fishing destination. You know, it's a, it's a great fishery. It's a great speckled trout fishery. Uh, redfish is good. You know, we don't have the numbers and the volume that they do over in Louisiana. I mean, you can go over there and catch 100 speckled trout in a day. You know, we don't have the numbers of Louisiana. We don't have the size of, you know, you know, places in Texas where people catch giant speckled trout. But we have a good fishery. We have a lot of good quality fish here, and it's a lot of fun. I'm going to have to come visit you guys. <laughs> you had me at special. You had me at speckled trout, if we're being honest. So, Jared, what took you down to Mississippi? Uh, well, it actually... I lived in Florida for quite a few years with my wife, um, her family, and um, a lot of her family decided that they were going to move move away. Everybody kind of grew up, move away, and it got us thinking, you know, what what's keeping us here? We, we would make so many trips, and now we lived about an hour to an hour and a half north of the coast, and we took so many trips all the time to the coast to go do some fishing. So we decided, hey, let's start looking around. Let's see where we can move. Uh, where we can afford to live near the water, as close as we can get to the water. So, um, you know, we started we started looking at real estate and job job opportunities around Florida, and realized real quick that that was pretty much out of the question, as close as we wanted to live to the water, anyway. So yeah, I get that. We actually, so we found Mississippi and started researching the coast, and and realized uh, that we have an amazing school system here, highly rated schools. Um, you know, the real estate market um, is affordable. Um, and just having the opportunity to live um, as close as we do to the water. I mean, we're my location is actually kind of between a bayou and the beach. So I've got the bayou north of me and the beach south of me, and I'm I'm within walking distance. And that's that's been a dream of mine my whole life is to be able to live that close to the water. And um, that's that's really what brought us here. Nice. Oh, oh, I'd love to be able to walk like that. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay, so now now that we've got you guys there, all right, now you you both have been bass fishermen. Now you're both down in Mississippi, uh, and you both do surf. Now let's talk about these other ones. So, so what type of fishing do you like to do? Whoever wants to answer first. Um, well, primarily I'm a I'm a kayaker. Um, I you know I, I started off with a cheap you know Walmart kayak. Uh, that was my way to be able to afford to be on the water give me a better chance of catching fish that I might not have the opportunity to catch from fishing the shorelines, uh, especially around our area. You know, our water here is a lot shallower right off the beach than say, you know, on the Emerald coast where y'all can get some pretty deep water pretty quick. Uh, so the cheapest way for me to be able to get on the water was to buy a kayak. So it started off with that, that cheap Walmart kayak and uh, I fell in love with it, which gave me the opportunity to, Start saving some money and decide I want a, a nice kayak that'll actually be comfortable. Um, it'll work out for the style of fishing that I'm trying to do. So I did end up buying a, a Hobie kayak, 
which has helped me tremendously. Um, but I do prefer the kayak fishing over shore fishing. Um, I do like boat fishing, just don't want to deal with the hassle of owning a boat, the maintenance, the gas, the whole nine yards. So I, uh, I tend to make friends like David and a few others that own boats and, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and ask pretty please and end up getting a ride with one of them and get that's, to enjoy that's the way to do it, man. Boat is, yeah, is. break out another thousand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sad so. truth. Okay. So the Hobie kayak, so you've been fishing and you got up and grew into that one. Which, uh, which one are you using now for the co for the Hobies? Uh, I'm currently in the Hobie Compass. So um, that was my first dive into Hobies. I wasn't really sure which route to go. Um, I'd, I'd love to end up in a PA, a pro angler one day. But the Compass works for me. It's kind of a middle middleman between their low end and their high end as far as kayaks go. And it, it works really well for me. I'm able to stand up in it. I'm a smaller guy, so I'm able to stand up in it, even cast net from it if I need to. Wow. And... My wife, we actually got her a Hobie as well. Really got more options since we moved to the coast. We have her in the Hobie Passport, which which is working out pretty well for her as well. So perfect way to go! Yeah, get to family time and fishing together. Like I love you. Come on, you know you want to come out with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she gets more time with me that way if she joins. <laughs> yep, I I really get that. <laughs> All right, David. What about you, man? What types of fishing do you like to do? Well, my wife doesn't fish with me as much as she used to because we had a little incident. We were we were out fishing one day, and I, I saw a school of speckled trout, and I reared back to cast, and she was behind me, and I buried a treble hook in her head. Oh! So she <laughs> it was bad, and she hasn't been back with me much since then. <laughs> but... <laughs> I can understand. I, can, I think every listener just did that and did the, ooh, the, the squeeze face, like, oh, that hurt. Yeah, it was a bad thing. We had to come in and take her to a place to get it out. And uh, But, you know, for for many years, um, I didn't have a boat. But the beach is there, and you can get to it, and you can fish it without a boat. And that's what's so great about it. And, you know, we have about 60 miles or so of public beach here in Mississippi. And like, like JR said, it, it's not very deep. It's not like those high-impact surf areas like like you see over in the Emerald Coast of Florida. You know, it's really shallow for a couple hundred yards out. And it's it's great fishing, though. And I before I had a boat, I fished the beach every single weekend. I didn't care how bad the weather was, you know, as long as it wasn't dangerous. And I just would go and pound that beach over and over. And I, I kept a really detailed fishing log and started trying to put together patterns and learning how to fish it. And the convenience of going to the beach and, and the access to it is, is just amazing because anybody can go and do it. And, you know, I eventually started learning how to catch speckled trout and sometimes redfish on the beach. And, you know, even, even back when I was a kid, before I was old enough to drive, I would ride my bike down to the beach and fish. And that's the great thing about Mississippi. I mean, the low cost of living, you can live really close to the water and just be five minutes away from, from the beach. And you can just go down there. We don't have development on our beach. We do in a few places, but most of it's undeveloped. And you can just park on Highway 90 and walk, you know, less than 100 yards and you're in the water fishing in prime speckled trout 
water and it it's great and to me you know even though i have a boat now i've always been drawn to fishing on the beach and you know to me there's something different about fishing on the beach instead of being on a pier or in a boat and i can't i can't really put my finger on what it is but it, it's just a thrill to have a fish come up and strike right in front of you and then drag them up on the sand it, it's just a different experience and I still love to do it. I have a boat now, and I fish in it a lot, but I still really love to go down to the beach and fish. It, it's awesome. And, you know, we have barrier islands here, too, which those have a lot more in common with places like Dolphin Island in Alabama or some of those beaches over on the Emerald Coast, like, you know, Pensacola, Destin, Navarre, you know, where it gets deep, you know, pretty uh, pretty close to the shore, a lot of sandbars, and it drops off and gets deep. And, you know, I've fished out there a lot too. And sometimes when I take my boat out to the islands, I'll anchor it up and get out and I'll fish in the surf because that's what I grew up doing. And, you know, before boats had trolling motors, you kind of had to do that, you know, especially if it was a day it was too rough, you know, to, to go and anchor up over on the Gulf side of the island. You, you had to get out of the boat walk across the island and go fish in the surf and i did that a lot this summer and i really reconnected with that in a way that i hadn't in years and it, it was great um you know when when boats got trolling motors you know when they became prolific we started fishing out of the boat a lot more and you can cover a lot of ground that way and there's a lot of benefit to doing that but man getting out and fishing on the beach in the surf in the water it, it, there's nothing like it, and I love it, and I've reconnected with it recently, and I, I'm going to do a whole lot more of it. Uh, I made a couple of videos this year where I fished like that, and it was the most fun that I've had fishing in a long, long time, and I just can't say enough about how fun it was because, it, I mean, just being there when the speckled trout comes up and nails the lure, you know, right in front of you, you can see him come up and hit it, it, it's it's just a thrill but the great thing about fishing on the beach is that you know at least along the the shoreline here uh, on the main beach in mississippi is you don't need a boat to do it and there's great fishing right on the beach and you know it can be it can be fun and you know i guess when i first started fishing you know i just wanted to catch something that would pull hard you know a spanish mackerel a bluefish you know, anything that I could get to hit. But over the years, uh, I grew to, to really love targeting speckled trout. And that's what I do 95% of the time now. And it doesn't hurt my feelings to catch a redfish or a flounder or a pompano or a sheep's head. I mean, those things are a riot to catch, and they're fantastic on the table. But speckled trout, for some reason, just call my name, and I honestly don't know why. But a lot of people here on the northern Gulf Coast are fanatical about speckled trout. And I really learned that over the last year, you know, posting content on social media. You know, speckled trout, just they strike a chord with a lot of folks. And there's a lot of people, you know, down in south, in south central Florida that are really into snook. And then, you know, JR was talking about the striped bass. But here on, on the northern Gulf, especially here in Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, speckled trout are, you know, they're a local favorite. They're a dominant species here. 
they hit topwater lures. They're they're so much fun to catch. Yeah, and need... they can drive you crazy. Well, go, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say you need to send me some because I mean, we don't we don't get them from the surf. But I do have to put you on pause because we are late for my favorite thing. Oh, if I can hit the button right, there it is. I get my audio right. Bait check. It has been 20, well, we're at 28, but 25-minute bait check. <laughs> Bring those lines in, double-check your bait, make sure it's good. If you've been throwing that lure, I know you've been checking it, making sure that that tail's still on there and you didn't find something, or you put on a nice, fast, uh, I don't know, diamond jig, maybe something fun like that, but hopefully you're catching a bunch of fish. This bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the stuff that they have available. The Ninja Dagger rods ranging from 11, or I'm sorry, 12 all the way down to 7. Great rods. Love them. I have some. I'm not even a little sad when I use them. The great response on everything I've had when it comes to fighting from inshore to the surf. Excellent rods. He's also got bait. You can get, uh, oh wow, bait, rigs, r other rods, reels, apparel, and he's also changed it. It is now also Ninja Tactical. If you were into firearms, you could take a look. Ninja Tackle has you covered on optics and other things. So head on over to ninjatackleva.com. You will not be sorry. So we've got the, the speckled trout. Okay. And I'm going to kick it over to you, JR, on this one. Um, well, actually... Let's let's move into the different one here. Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad. I'm, I don't want to stop you there, David. You were on a good roll, so I, I kind of want to keep going with that, actually. Oh, yeah. So, you know, for for some reason that I really can't put my finger on, I'm, I'm just really into speckled trout. I target them. I spend all my time trying to figure out where they are. I mean, I love catching other fish like redfish and flounder. They're great on the table. They're fun to catch, but... I mainly go and target the speckled trout, and I try to throw lures to target the speckled trout, and I try to fish in places where I'm likely to catch a speckled trout, and it's just, it, it eats me up for some reason, <laughs> and they're, they're a lot of fun to catch. I mean, they, they can drive you crazy, I mean, trying to find them to figure out where they are and what they want to hit. But I keep coming back for more and more of it, and I, I just can't get enough of those. Well, for that one, then both of you guys can answer this one because um, I kind of kind of played a little bit different here. Uh, Jr., I know you're heavy in the kayak, so we're gonna definitely stick with that on that piece. I know you do some surf, but like you, the kayak is your happy place. And, and David, we'll stick it with is. the surf on that one for you guys. But both of these together, I I have a feeling this is gonna mash up very nicely. Um, so let's go over this route. Um, we'll start with, uh, start with you, JR. How do you plan your fishing trips? Uh, well, up until recently, it was more, uh, trying to find, find figure out the tides, the moon phases. Uh, but up until the last few months, it's, it's literally been whenever I can fish. Life has been pretty crazy lately. So it, it, it doesn't matter rain or shine. If I got a chance to fish and I've got the time, that's when I'm doing it. So, um, but yeah, I, a lot of the times when I'm fishing, it's usually first thing in the morning. If, if tide's playing right, then so be it. But most of that comes down to timing when I'm able to get out and do some fishing. Okay. Do you use any apps or anything prior to planning? Like, all right, hey, I'm going to go fish here. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, I used to uh, check the tides for me online. Um, that, that helps me out with my tide tables here as well as the moon phases. 
and then short of that, it, like I said, as long as it ain't thunder and lightning, I'm out on the kayak. <laughs> nice. Okay, David, what about you? How do you plan your fishing trips? So, you know, I'm like JR. I'm a working guy. I just go whenever I can, and I don't really worry too much about the conditions. But one thing that I do pay a lot of attention to you know, when we go fishing, you've got all these variables. You've got the water clarity, the tide, the salinity, the temperature, you know, whether there's bait present or not present. I mean, those are all things that you don't have any control over. And I just go fishing whenever I can go, whenever I have the opportunity to. But the one thing that we do have some control over is the location, you know, where we go fishing. And I try to choose a location that's going to give me the best probability of catching fish for you know the given set of conditions for that day things that i can't control and the main thing that i look at is the water quality down here in mississippi we have two really big rivers the pearl and the pascagoula and both of those rivers they have a huge watershed that goes really far north and when it rains a lot it doesn't have to be local rain it may can be raining further up north in the state and when those rivers start to run high, they can really wreck the salinity and the water quality in a big way here in Mississippi. And so I really like to look at what those rivers are doing. And it's really important for speckled trout in the spring and summer. You really need good salinity. When speckled trout are spawning, the mature ones, you know, the big ones, the ones we want to catch, they're going to be in salty water. When the water gets muddy and fresh, they're like, that's a no for me, dog. I'm out. And they, they bail out. They're going to leave and they're going to go somewhere where there's good water. And we really want to see water. Uh, we really want to see salinity that's more like 15 parts per thousand or better. And, you know, it's okay if it goes a little lower than that for a while. But when it plummets rapidly and it stays low, it's a really, really bad thing. And, you know, last year in 2021, we had off the charts rainfall we had single digit salinity along the beaches for for weeks at a time it was really bad and so i look for things like that and i try to plan trips around where the best water is going to be and when the water gets really muddy and it looks like a starbucks latte or chocolate milk that's that's bad <laughs> i don't want that catfish and, haven you know, right there yeah it you know it gets like that in Mississippi, you know, it, it's not uncommon. You know, we have uh, pretty nasty water here. And, you know, one of our local shows is called the Brown Water Banter, you know, for good reason. Because <laughs> our water here looks like, like chocolate milk sometimes. But if, that, if that's happening, I want to get away from the mouth of the rivers, and I want to try to find some clean water somewhere. And it might mean driving a few miles down the beach, or it might be, you know, if I'm in the boat, you know, running out somewhere and trying to find some clean water. And it's a lot easier to figure out than it used to be. You know, when I was growing up, you know, we would watch the news at night and, you know, they would report the salinity from different places and, and you had that. But now you've got the Internet. You've got, you know, NOAA, NOAA, they're reporting salinity readings all over the Mississippi Sound. You can go look at, you know, high-resolution satellite imagery and you can see where the big plumes of river water are you kind of know which way the wind's blowing you kind of anticipate where that water might be by the time you go fishing and i try to pick a place that 
I think is going to have clean water, good, clean, salty water. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you just don't know till you get out there and you just have to adapt. But you can eliminate a lot of bad trips by just staying away from where that bad water is and trying to find good, clean, salty water. Because that's where your speckled trout are going to be, at least in the spring and the summer. In the wintertime, they don't care about the salinity as much, and it's not as big of a deal. But, you know, other things are important for speckled trout, too, like tide. You know, you need, a, you need moving water to catch speckled trout most of the time, but I don't let the tide keep me from going. I mean, I'm like JR. I'm a working guy. I just go when I can. If the tide's bad, I still go. Yep. <laughs> I just try to make the most of it. You know, if, if I was doing this, you know, full-time or if I was retired, I would sit back and look at the, you know, the tide charts and I would pick and choose my days, but I can't do that. I just go whenever I can, but I do try to pick a good location. I try to go find where the cleanest water is typically towards the middle of the coast. When you get towards like Gulfport, you know, you might find pockets of clean water that are trapped there where you get closer to the east, the far east or west side of the state where the rivers are, that's where the dirty water will be a lot of times. So, you know, a lot of times I'll just get in my truck and drive down the beach and just keep going until I find some water that looks good. Okay. And, you know, sometimes you can't find it. You know, sometimes it's, it's dirty everywhere. But you can at least up your odds of having a good trip by looking for that clean water. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> clean water here, you know, it, I guess it means something different than, say, you know, over in Navarre. Because I mean, it's ever. <laughs> yeah, we're a little we're a little snooty about our water over here. I'll admit it. Yeah, I mean, I've been down there before, man. It looks like I'm in the Caribbean, you know. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have that little, little bit of advantage. Um, it was during the last the last tournament that I was fishing in uh, up here. It was at Blaine's tournament. Uh, some of our friends came down from Jacksonville. Uh, to come fishing, and one of them was uh, was Barry uh, <laughs> Kronberger of BS Charters, a uh, good friend of mine, great guy. And he's like, oh, man, this water looks great. And Justin Reed from Justin Reed Fishing and I were looking at him we're like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? This water is horrible. It's ugly. It's dirty. And he's like, this is like an eight for us here. Like, oh, well, it's a two here. So whatever, man, let's, let's just fish. But, yeah, I, I never realized how spoiled we were until I traveled a bit, and I was like, yeah, we're pretty spoiled. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to one of your other episodes, and a guy was talking about, you know, clean water and dirty water. I'm like, man, I've never seen the water dirty over there ever. But I guess it's all relative, you know. Uh, it's dirty now. Yeah. It it's it the the June grass has stained it black, um, real hard for the first, I'd say sixty to seventy yards, and then you got the bar, um, and it's like, oh, I can see the bar. It's great, and then past the bar, it's dirty and ugly again because the june grass has all died and sitting on the bottom so it's all mixing up and still playing into the top zone yeah, it's, it's just not not a great time but not horrible yeah and you know clean water here means you know it's going to be like more like a glass of tea maybe instead of like a glass of chocolate milk yeah <laughs> yeah uh, is is relative you know well the, and you... I, I think the I was going to say, I think the fish, you know, in each local area, they kind of get used to that, and, you know, and, and what's dirty here and what's clean here is not the same as over where you are in, in Florida. And I think, you know, the chocolate milk water would bother a speckled trout anywhere that you are 
And, you know, the sweet tea water here may not bother the speckled trout, but it might really bother them over there because, you know, clean water is a different definition depending on where you are. That makes sense. Well, now that you bring that one up, so this works out to this one then. Um, and JR, I'll kick it to you for the kayak for this. When you get to the zone that you're planning on fishing, uh, what are you looking for to set up and start attacking? Um, a lot of it comes down to just learning the areas that I've tried. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of exploring along the coast. I've been trying to pick certain areas and stick to those for multiple trips so I can just learn those areas better. Uh, like David was saying, we have very shallow water here off of our beaches, but there's still areas along the beach that you can look for. Uh, subtle drop-offs make a big difference here as opposed to anywhere else. Uh, you know, a foot or two makes a big difference as well as, uh, like Dave was saying, the, the water clarity. That has a lot to do with it. You can find some pockets of cleaner water, and that really seems to make a big difference. Okay. are you? And you're taking your kayak out into the Gulf too, right? Correct, correct. Um, I've I've actually been doing a lot more, you know, uh, launching from the Gulf as opposed to fishing the bayous and the backwater. When I moved here, I started off back in the bayous, um, not sure how to really get a kayak out. We don't really have the surf here like y'all do over there, but it's still a little nerve-wracking going out in a plastic boat where you're basically water level going out into the water off the beach. So. So it's made some. Uh, I've made some changes. Uh, I, like I said, I do a lot more beach fishing, uh, launching from the beach. That is, and just trying to learn the areas that I'm fishing. With that, uh, kind of pushing on this with the same thing we're talking about the beach. When you launch from there, and it being such a low impact beach, you know, you got shallows for a while. How far out do you normally have to kind of go before it starts getting interesting? Or, or not, not that, let me rephrase that. How far out do you normally have to go before you start getting, uh, throwing out and start casting for attacking? Um, some of the main fishes that I, areas that I fish, you, you go out a couple hundred yards before you even start seeing five to six foot of water. Wow. The section, I primarily fish around the, it's Ocean Springs, Gaucher area. And it's nothing to be in about, at low tide, it's nothing to be in about a foot and a half, two feet of water at the end of all these docks that are located right off the beach. So uh, tide actually does make quite a bit of difference in my area as far as locating the fish. Uh, you know, high tides, I'm going to be concentrating a lot more on the, the, the ends of docks, uh, structure-related fishing, as opposed to hitting the low tide and going out. And I might push myself a couple hundred yards out further than I normally would and start finding that five to six foot depth range uh, really makes a difference in this area. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right, D- David, what about you? When you get out to the beach, what are you looking for to set up? So, you know, as we've said, you know, already, you know, we've got this low impact beach that's really shallow. In the Mississippi Sound, it, it's more like a big bay. It's, it's not really the Gulf of Mexico. And we have sandbars that typically run from the northwest to the southeast for the most part. And I go look for real prominent ones that run really far out from the beach, and they've got deep gullies in between them. And that's where you find speckled trout, redfish, and flounder. They'll be stacked in there. If you can find a really prom sandbar that's really long, it runs a long way from the beach, 
and it comes in really close to the beach and you've got deep water between that and the next bar, that's where you want to fish. And it, it can be kind of difficult to see them when the water is muddy. So it, it's kind of good to cruise through there on a low tide and you can see where they are. You know, they're sticking up out of the water. And then go back and fish it on a high tide and that's where the fish are. And, you know, we have over 60 miles of beach here and not all of it's created equal. There's some parts of it that are a lot better than others. And it's all about finding where that prime structure is. Uh, besides that though, you know, you pull up, you want to see bait in the water. You want to see mullet, pogies, you know, glass minnow, shrimp, diving birds are a good thing to see. And if there's bait there, there's probably going to be some speckle trout there too. You know, I also like to look for slicks and I've had a lot of people ask me about slicks since I've talked about them in my videos, but a lot of fish, speckle trout included, you know, they'll make oily spots on the water when they feed really hard. It looks like a little oily sheen, like a little oil slick on the water. If I see that, I'm going over to cast around that area because that could be a good indicator that there's fish feeding in that area. Um, you want to see, you know, signs of distressed bait. You know, we've always called it nervous water. You know, you can tell when bait's running for its life and getting chased. And, you know, you want to find those areas and go cast them. And out at the barrier islands, which is a lot more like fishing over in the panhandle of Florida, you've got parallel bars that run, you know, up and down the beach. And there'll be a second bar and sometimes a third one, too. It gets deep really quick. And when I'm out there, the main thing that I like to look for is a breach in the bar. In a place where water's moving through it. If I can find a place like that where waves are, are breaking over the bar and pushing bait across it, the speckled trout are almost always just inside the bar in the deep water right there, close to where the cut is or the breach. They're not always in the breach. They'll be on either side of the breach, but they're right there ambushing the bait right there on the, out, on the inside of the bar usually. And I think they like to stay close to the breach. At least my thinking is, you know, they, they like to have an escape route, a place they can bail out and get into deep water really quickly. But they're always there on the inside of the bar, you know, when baits get pushed across. So I like to look for that for speckled trout. If you find a place where there's, you know, the parallel bar running for a long distance down the beach and then there's a break in it somewhere, I go and cast that place because there's probably going to be some speckled trout there. Makes sense. Yeah, the cuts. I love cuts, man. It's like a special ambush point to get after it and be like, yep, we're going to go ahead and munch on that. So, well, this is a perfect little time to talk about this. And then while we're actually there, why don't we do this? It's your bait check. That's your second bait check today. Hope you're hope you're doing even better. I mean, the fishing's got to be good for you. You're still out there listening to the show and you're out fishing. I mean, it's a great day. This bait check has been brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that he has in the Sinker Guy garage on the shop. He's got sinkers, rigs, uh, lures, uh, even terminal tackle. You need that swivel, he's got you. You need those braid scissors. He's got you. You need that extra little ring that hooks all those sinkers together? Yep, you've got it. He's got you. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com. Get yourself set up with quick shipping, real reliable, and Chip always answers questions when you got them. So thanks, Chip. Always appreciate you. Well, now we're talking about bait. Uh, JR, what kind of bait do you use and what kind of rigs do you use? 
I primarily uh, use artificial. One of my favorite lures to use out here on the coast, just because I love topwater blowups, is going to be a topwater. Uh, my hands down favorite is going to be the the Zara Spook One Knocker. I uh, believe it, it creates a lot of noise, a lot of action to the lure, and I just love watching fish blow up on top water. That's my primary lure that I'll use, usually starting off the morning. Calmer water makes a big difference for me, at least in that aspect. I can actually keep an eye on my lure. I feel like it has a chance to bring those fish in even quicker. Okay. I, sorry, guys. I, sorry, guys. I, I had a... I had a buzz on my phone there <laughs> no um, problem <laughs> short of that it's going to be uh, soft plastic and jigs uh around here most of our water like dave was saying earlier is, is pretty brown that's very common for us so i use a lot of darker colored soft plastics um, as well as some darker colored miradine lures as well Okay. Any particular brands been your favorite? I, I think you said Zabaro for the knocker. I didn't. I wasn't sure. I heard it right. Uh, Zara. Uh, I think it was Zara Spook. The one knocker version of a Zara Spook. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. And then, um, as far as soft plastics, I don't really have a specific brand that I use. It's more of uh, finding a color that works for for us in this area. Because so I tend to stand, stick with the darker colored lures. Yeah. around here any color had been your favorite to go to uh, i can't remember the name of it there's a certain kind of lure and it's it's basically it's it, it does have one side that's chartreuse and the other kind is kind of a dark purple with some glitter in it Ooh. not remember the name of it to save my life but it's it's a it's a fantastic lure and the quality of the plastic holds up really well i'm almost tempted to go find it so i can promote it because <laughs> it is one of my one of my favorite soft plastics to use. Man, um, they make it difficult to remember the names of these things, so they give them all these boutique names. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's do. purple. It's purple and yellow, but they <laughs> call it something like you know, shade of the night or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how they appeal to us now. You know, before it was just—is it red or blue? No, no, it's more aqua. <laughs> so <Yeah>. it's blue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they make it hard to remember the names of these things, you know? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying I've taken pictures of lures to make sure that I can go back to the tackle shop and be like, where, yep, yep, that's the one. But uh, I've, I've done that a couple times. <laughs> all right, so the soft plastics and that with the hard one, and then the top water, nice, all right. Uh, David, what about you? What kind of baits do you use, and what kind of rigs are you using? I am almost exclusively uh, artificial also. Um, there's times that I use live bait, and there's times that live bait will outfish an artificial uh, 10 to 1, but I'm really into artificials. I love to throw mirror lures. Um, the 51 and 52M mirror lure, they have a mullet profile. They're a twitch bait. They sink. They're really heavy. They work really great in the surf, especially if there's a lot of current or, or curling waves, but not if it's too rough. If, if it's too rough, they, they won't work, but they're great. Speckle trout nail it. It's deadly for speckled trout. I really like the pink and the chartreuse ones, especially if the water's cleaner. And, of course, a darker color if the water's dirty. I like the Mira Lure Miradine. They make four sizes of that. I like the XL size, which is 27MR. Big trout nail that lure. It That one somewhat suspends. It doesn't sink. It slowly sinks, but it, it somewhat suspends. Um, the Catch 2000 Mira Lure is a true suspending bait. It's deadly. I use that a lot. 
And then my favorite has got to be Top Water. Um, I like the Rapala Skitter Walk. I like the um, the Head and Super Spook. That's a great Top Water. I always throw Top Water year round because it draws strikes from big trout. And you know, bluefish, mackerel, ladyfish, redfish, uh, they'll all nail those lures too. Uh, if the water's dirty, I like to use a top water that has a high pitch rattle. Mirror Lure makes one called the She Dog. It's got a really high pitch rattle. You can get strikes from trout in top uh, on top water when the water's dirty with a high pitch rattle sometimes, or even when it's kind of rough. Mm-hmm. And you can throw top water when you know it's windy and there's a lot of wave action on the water, they'll come up and hit that she-dog because it's got that high-pitch rattle. And some of the biggest trout that I've ever caught have been on that lure. And I always try to throw it a few times, you know, when I'm out there. It's it's worth worth a shot. It's funny you guys bring this up, though, and I never thought of this. Um, Because when you start telling me dirty and darker water, my brain goes to, all right, let me get a lighter color bait for make for visibility. But you guys are saying that the darker lure seems to do better in that in that thing is it basically what, what are your thoughts on that because my, my brain's saying well now they're seeing a darker shadow and they're going after a darker thing than it's in the water because they know it's not water yeah when it comes to top water i i don't know that the color matters a whole lot i mean maybe it does you know a lot of these top waters are colored on the top and you know the bottom's a different color and i think yeah. the fish is seeing the bottom of the lure and i think the noise is important with the top water but yes, when the water is stained and, and, and dirty, I like to use a darker color lure. You know, something that might be green or something that's brown, and I, I think they can see that better. It, it makes a better silhouette. And, you know, I don't think that speckled trout have the best of eyesight. And so you got to help them out a little bit, make it easy for them to see. When the water is clean, I like to use, you know, a, a chartreuse color or, or a more natural color, you know, a bone color. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that the pink color, um, you know, it's like a neon pink. That seems to work good in many conditions, clean or dirty. If it's really dirty, maybe not so much. But I always grab a pink 51 in mirror lure. That's my search bait. I go out and throw that thing. And if there's trout there, they'll, they'll probably hit it. And then if you get a couple of strikes, then I start experimenting and trying different lures to find out what will work the best. And, you know, it's always good to have a search bait. And the 51M pink mirror lure is the one for me. I think it's called, uh, I think the uh, marketing name is called Texas Chicken is the name of it. But it's (laughs) pink on the top. And, you know, they got to give it a name, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And like pink on the top and it's yellow on the bottom and kind of silver on the side speckled trout will hit that lure i've been using that since i was a kid you know back in the 1980s and it's called untold numbers of fish they'll hit it if they're there and if you know if you get a couple of hits uh you know maybe try something different and experiment and find something that will hit every cast you know but that's that pink mirror lure at 51M is a great one. It works in the surf really well because it's heavy. You can chunk it really far, and you can rip it through the water, and they'll hit it. And, you know, as will other fish, too. I've caught a lot of bluefish and mackerel on that thing, too. Nice. All right, well, now we're getting into the fun stuff here. So uh, we're about an hour in, uh, and I know these ones will be quick ones for you because the big one I always people want to know is, you know, how to fish those areas, what to use. So thank you both so much for that. Uh, that was huge to be able to, like, all right, now I feel like i got a leg up 
uh, if I ever come down to Mississippi and grab my kayak or go to the beach. Uh, there was one question, though, that I didn't write down that I want to ask you real quick. And uh, unfortunately, Dave, David, this one's going to be you. I know, JR, you might, I don't know if you want to jump in on this one, too. When you're surfing, when you're surf fishing or out there at the shore, are you wading out or are you just casting right from the beach? If the tide is really high, you can fish, you know, stand on the beach and cast out, no problem. But most of the time, I'm wading out in the water. Um, it's really shallow here, and you typically do have to get out in the water. I always start off standing on the beach casting because sometimes the fish will be in really close. But most of the time, I'm wading out there. And I usually wade out on top of the sandbars, and I cast into the deep gullies, you know, between the parallel sandbars. Right. Um, if I'm here on the beach, you know, on the main the main beach of Mississippi, you know, where those sandbars are running from the, the northwest to the southeast, I'll go wade out on that bar, and I'll cast on either side of it. I'll cast parallel to it. And, you know, it, it kind of depends. I mean, sometimes the fish are a little bit further out. Sometimes they're in close. But I would say nine out of ten times, yeah, I'm getting in the water. Okay. JR? Uh, he makes a good point. Uh, tide has a lot to do with whether we're fishing on the beach or out wade fishing. Uh, one of the good points right now is we have a lot of shrimp in the area for this time of year. And during these high tides, I've really noticed along our beach line, at least over here near the Ocean Springs area, is these these uh, these shrimp are coming right up to the shoreline during these high tides. So it's, it's not uncommon to go out there to the beach and actually see these trout running Five, not five, ten feet off the beach. Um, so the the trout right now and the the amount of shrimp in our water. We have a really good shrimping industry here, and there the bait opportunities for these fish are endless. Uh, we've got massive schools of pogies running through right now, as well as the shrimp, and uh, it's made for some really exciting fishing, especially early morning, that first hour or so around sunrise is is making a big difference along our our beaches fishing either from shore or, or even going out and wade fishing a little bit. Yeah. Man, that makes sense. Yeah. And when you fish on the surf side, you know, the gulf-facing side of the Barrier Islands, you don't necessarily have to get in the water. It drops off and gets deep really quick. And when I'm out there, I typically, you know, don't have to get in the water. I mean, I'm, I'm close enough to it where the waves are breaking and getting my feet wet, but I'm, I'm casting over prime areas without really getting in the water too far out there typically. Makes sense. It, it's a different it's a different thing fishing up on you know the main beach along highway 90 here in mississippi it's it's really shallow for a long way and the fish are going to be wherever the bait is and depending on what the tide's doing you know there'll be a tide line and the bait will either be out a little further or they might be in close um, one of the biggest speckled trout that i've ever caught was literally right on the edge of the beach i mean right where the water was touching the sand I threw a top water up there, and a, a big speckled trout came up and, and nailed it. And that day, the trout were just right on the edge of, of the beach, and you didn't even have to get in the water to catch them. But that's typically not how it is. You <laughs> usually got to get in the water. All right. Well, moving on from fishing, because uh, now we're going to get into the we're going to get into the other stuff now. Um, Jared, let's start with you. What made you, because since you made your channel first, we opened with that in this one. Yeah. <laughs> what made you want to start a YouTube channel? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a very uh, self, how do I put it? 
I'm, I'm not very outgoing. We'll put it that way. Um, I, I moved here. I brought my family here. We started a new life and I knew no one. And I, I, I've watched a lot of YouTubers along the coast, along the Gulf Coast, and it, it just struck a chord with me. I actually met one of the local YouTubers here. Um, his name's Josh Harmon with Fish in the South. And it, it got me thinking. I said, that's, that's my way to passively meet a lot of other local fishermen and get the chance to fish with these people that I've never met. Uh, that's one thing that really draws people in. I mean, fishing is such a, an awesome way to get to hang out with other people that you've never met, know them, enjoy something that you both love to do. And that's, that's really the reason I started it. I've met a lot of great people, including David, just along the coast um, that have reached out to me because of the channel and because of Facebook, you know, asking me questions, uh, saying basically what we're doing here, what I use, what do, what do I look for? And I'm just an average Joe. I am, I am by no means an expert. I'm still learning myself. I'm only four years into the, into the Gulf Coast here, so I don't have a whole lot of knowledge. But it's really given me a chance to meet a lot of cool people along the coast. Nice. Well, hey, I agree with that. Love that one. All right, David, what about you? Why did you start a YouTube? So, you know, I've been watching uh, fishing YouTube uh, videos for a while, and I always thought that you had to have some really expensive equipment and, like, a filming crew and all of this stuff that was kind of out of reach for me and, you know, something that I couldn't do. And then I had, um, I guess I had an epiphany and I realized that people are doing this with a GoPro camera that they're strapping on their chest. And I was kind of oblivious to how it worked. And when I figured out that people were using GoPros, I said, hey, I can do that too. And my wife got me a GoPro last summer for my birthday. And it, at first I wasn't really thinking, put these videos on YouTube. I was thinking more like, you know, capture some fishing trips with my kids and with my dad, you know, because the, the window of time to do that's closing so fast. And, you know, maybe just go film some trips. And But then I decided, hey, I'll put this on YouTube and take a crack at it and see what happens. And, man, it, it's been so much fun. I, I love making the films and editing them. Uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot to learn. But it's really satisfying to make a video. It's it's like a way to go relive a trip. And I look back at some of the first videos I made, and as my kids say, it's cringe. You know, they're, they're pretty bad. <laughs> my daughter says that to me. It's like, you're cringe. <laughs> That's what mine says to me, too. <laughs> and, you know, but, you know, who cares? Let it rip and put it out there and learn from it and get better. And for me, making the videos, it's a way to get involved with fishing, even on a day that I'm not fishing. I can make a video, I can put it out there, and, you know, sharing my love for fishing and, and fishing for speckled trout through film was kind of just a logical next step, and I'm all about it. Nice, man. So would you guys say, uh, Jared, we'll start with you, has doing YouTube made you a better angler? Oh, definitely. Um, just just the idea of, of trying to come up with, with new ways to film and new areas has pushed me to learn different areas. Um, it's got a lot to do with, uh, with my primary job as well. I do a lot of driving. So to be able to see so much of the coast uh, on a daily basis and, you know, of course, you got your flat water days when you're on the clock and you got your rough water days when you're off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, 
yeah, it, it's, it's definitely helped me a lot because you, you don't want to get stale and, and, and film the same, the same areas, the same style of mission every single time. So it's forced me to kind of break out of my comfort zone and go try a new area. Um, it does make for a double-edged sword when you're trying to post a video and you're in, in a new area that you have no idea how to fish, hoping you catch something worthy enough to make it to video. But yeah, I, I think it's helped quite a bit me learning just, just the different areas along the coast. Absolutely. Good point. David? Yeah, 100% what, what JR said. It, it kind of puts the pressure on you. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm fishing today. I'm filming. I got to get some material here. You know, I got to catch some fish. And I think it makes me try a little bit harder. And I've learned some stuff, too, you know, going back and watching the film. You know, like subtle things like, okay, I was catching fish, and then I quit catching fish. You know, what changed? And it'll be something like, you know, I was throwing a lure out there and doing a slow, steady retrieve, and then I got real excited and started throwing it out there and, you know, ripping it through the water like somebody's trying to steal it from me. And then it's, you know, maybe that's why I quit catching fish because I, I changed the retrieve. And I go back and watch that, and I think – man you big dummy why did you why'd you do that keep you know slow it down and you'll go back and watch the video and you realize man there's it's it's i guess it's a lot like when a football team watches the film after a game and they go back and see what worked and what didn't work i've seen a lot of things like that but you know the videos for me are serving as like the ultimate fishing log i've always kept the fishing log of my trips and what where i went and what i did and what worked but these videos are like the ultimate fishing log. I can go back and watch them and see, you know, where was I fishing last year and what worked last year? And it's it's been really helpful for me to do that. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. That's the ultimate way to do it. So, Jer, what's your goal for YouTube? Uh, just to keep growing it. Like I said, uh, the people that I've met along the coast, just from them reaching out, and like I said, that comes back to my, my passive way of, of meeting people in a brand-new area for me. Um, just, just growing the channel. You know, we all have the dream. I don't know if all of us do. I would love to fish for a living. You know, if that's something that becomes, uh, you know, a chance at reality, I'll, I'll keep at it. But a lot of it has to do with, uh, it, and David kind of touched on it a little bit, is posting the videos, not to get dark and gloomy, but I did lose a parent at a young age uh, back in the 90s, and back then we didn't have the technology we do now. I have very little pictures, very little video of the person that passed away, and if anything, this gives my family something to hold on to with me if anything ever happens to me. Nice. Good call. Yep. This, it is the ultimate archive. You can remember yeah. that day you were out there with somebody. All right. David, what about you? What's your goal? That's me too, man. I'm trying to film trips fishing with my dad and my kids, and you know we're all getting older. I want to document, make the ultimate archive, so we can remember those trips while we can. And you know, it's it's about just sharing what I love doing with other people. And as long as it's fun, as long as people are getting some value from it, then I'm going to keep doing it. I guess when it's not fun or people don't get value from it, then I'll, I'll quit doing it. But right now it's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, I do want to earn revenue from it and to help pay for this, this hobby. 
it's expensive. It's not cheap. Uh, these yep. lures aren't cheap. And, you know, the cost is going up. So, you know, I would like to earn revenue from it. And, you know, you can do that through YouTube. When someone watches a video, it, it can earn revenue for the creator. And then there's other ways that you can scale it and earn revenue through other streams too. And I think I'll look into some of that one day. Um, I don't know what that'll be just yet, but it's something I'm going to definitely try to do. I'm not looking to become a guide or a full-time person with it or anything. I'm content to just do it more like a hobby, but one that generates some, some benefit for me. Nice. All right. I get that. We all want our fishing to be paid for eventually. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, hey, that's the dream. Yeah, JR. <laughs> so now that you've been down there for a while and you've been after this fishing your whole life, besides the bass of monstrosity at thirteen pounds, what has been your most memorable catch? Uh, it would have to be the redfish that I caught right off the beach. Uh, this was back, I want to say, around two years ago. I had. It was, it was wintertime, and it was actually pretty cold for the coast. You know, I was bundled up on my kayak. It's already questionable to be out in a kayak when it's so cold and the water's cold. And I was fishing for sheep's head right near um, Margaritaville in Golden Nugget, right on the coast. And after a, a, a nice day of fishing, it was one of my first videos that I actually posted. And after a full day of fishing out there on the kayak, catching sheep's head, I uh, came home cleaned them up and then of course a buddy of mine said hey let's go fishing and i just i can't say no <laughs> so after a full day of fishing on the kayak me and him got together and fished the beach right down from the house from where i live and we didn't have a whole lot of time we had about an hour before sunset and we caught we caught some some mullet in the cast net some fingernail and threw them out had them on a carolina rig right off the beach and hooked my largest redfish to date Came in right around, if I remember correctly, it was around 41, 42 inches. Nice. And it was just a blast. So after after a day of catching the sheep's head all day, getting them home, getting them cleaned, and then going back out, and and, it, and that was the one and only fish we caught. That was the only bite we had for the little bit of time we were out there. But it was so memorable, and it, and it all goes back to I, I met this guy because of YouTube. And for us to go out and go – do some fishing together and actually create a memory that I will never forget of the largest redfish I've ever caught. Um, that's that's the whole reason I do this. Oh, that's a that's a super memorable. Anything that big like that, I love it. Dave, what about you? Yeah. What's the most memorable? Man, it, it was about twenty years ago. I was I was out wade fishing. I was on the beach at, at Cat Island, and it was really slow. Uh, I'd only caught a couple of trout that day, and I was kind of you know, beat down, you know, it was kind of a tough day. And I was, I was walking back to the shoreline. I was going to go hit the shoreline and walk back to the boat, you know, because you can travel faster on the shoreline than trudging through the water. And it was really calm that day. And the water was crystal clear. And I'm sitting there walking along. I'm not even casting anymore. And I look over and there's kind of this little pothole right there. And I look over and there's several very big speckled trout huge speckled trout just laying right there in this hole and i'd never seen that before you know sight cast into a speckled trout is kind of unusual and they were right up next to the beach right there i mean and maybe in just a couple of inches of water i mean just barely enough to cover them and i could clearly see they were speckled trout no doubt about it 
And I had a 7M mirror lure tied on, which is kind of a floating twitch bait. You twitch it, it floats up to the top really slow, and it'll float all the way to the top of the water, and then you twitch it, and it dives back down. And I just flipped it over there to where they were, and one of them peeled out of that hole and nailed it, like eight feet away from me. And it was a really big one. I don't remember how big it was, but it, at the time, it was one of the biggest trout I'd ever caught, you know, 23, 24 inches. And it just exploded on it right next to me. And I will never forget that because it was so awesome to see one of them come and hit it in the clear water like that. I, I've never had that happen since then. And every time I'm walking along the beach, I'm like looking, is there any, any speckled trout here right on the edge? I've, I've never seen that again since then. It was it was really something. I can imagine only in that one. Well, JR, what's your bucket list catch? Uh, as of right now, it's actually to come over to, into y'all's area and, and take the kayak out. And it, it already makes me nervous kind of doing it on, on our beach. I can't imagine doing it with some actual surf. Uh, you know, the part that scares me the most is getting that kayak out from the beach, getting past those waves and, and getting to that little bit of calmer water. Uh, but all that being said is to get on uh, a king, king mackerel. I think that's one of my – from a kayak, uh, I think that's one of my biggest – uh, bucket list fish that and a and a snapper. I know that's possible, more possible in y'all's area with a kayak. Uh, to be able to catch those types of fish from a kayak, you know, kayak fishing is it's unique. Uh, you're you're almost one with the water. You're sitting so low, and I, I really think that it it kind of gives you a disadvantage to the fight of the fish because of how low you are in the water. And I think that adds to the thrill, at least in my opinion, on setting the hook on these massive fish that can make big runs. And it, it, so that's the plan. That's the plan next year is to get over in the y'all's area and actually try some some fishing in the kayak right past the surf, break break the surf, and and get out there and troll for some kings or or uh, find somebody that knows a good snapper hole. Oh, man. man, it would be awesome to catch either of those in a kayak. Well, if you do, or when you do, uh, call me beforehand. Uh, I have a few people that I'm sure I could have you link up with to help you complete that mission. All right. I'm already excited. <laughs> It'll be fun to have you. All right. Dave, what about you? What's your bucket list? I want to catch, I got two bucket lists, but that's okay. But. <laughs> I want to catch a 30-inch speck of trout. You know, people call it the dirty 30. I want to catch one. I don't care if it's in Mississippi. I'd rather it be in Mississippi, but I might have to go somewhere like Texas to catch it. But I want to do that, and I want to catch a tarpon. I've never caught a tarpon. They're kind of rare in Mississippi, but I know people that have caught them. I want to be one of those guys that's caught one. That would be so awesome, I think. Oh, yeah. That thing's a tank from what I've been told, so I can only imagine that one. That'd be a fun. I might have to go over to Florida to do it. You know, we don't have many here. I, I, I have no idea who to, but I can get you in touch with the people that probably know. So if you're going to come over, let me know. I can. I, I know of a couple right now off the top of my head that can tell you where to go. I'm all about it, man. All right, so you guys, we, we've talked about this one already of how fishing is a little bit different there. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and pass that one because you, you guys have mentioned it between the two areas. Uh, but what is a big, uh, JR, I'll kick this one to you. What is a big misunderstanding about fishing in Mississippi versus other places? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with our, our water. Uh, you know, 
to watch some of these videos, you know, I, I watch a lot of YouTube, and you know, there, there's something intriguing and, and draws you into that pretty water, that that beautiful coastline, which a lot of people look at the Mississippi coast and, and they don't see it. And like David mentioned earlier, we still have a great fishery here, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. Is is you know promoting our coast and how how great the fishing is here even if it ain't the prettiest looking water <laughs> um that that's pretty much it okay david i think there's a, a huge misunderstanding about fishing here you know in the spring in the summer social media lights up there's people posting pictures of fish that they catch out at the barrier islands you know charter captains are posting dock shots where they've just slayed fish out at the islands. And people think that you need a boat to go out and catch quality fish, but it's simply not true. There are quality fish right along our beaches and you don't need a boat to go do it. And last year was a terrible year. We had bad salinity from high rainfall. And I set out this year to show people on YouTube that you can catch good quality fish along our beach. And it's been disappointing this year, though. I, I kind of failed at that. I caught, you know, a couple of nice trout. And I had a nice 36-inch redfish right off the beach. And it's been pretty bad this year. And I really don't know why, but I'm here to tell people that, you know, while the best action might be offshore on the islands, you can catch a lot of really quality fish right here on our beaches, and it's worth doing. It hasn't been on this year for some reason, but they'll be back. I think maybe the the rainfall from last year might have something to do with it being off this year. It's been better this year. Maybe they haven't come back yet, but I really think that the beaches in Mississippi are underrated, and there's a lot of good fish here. I've caught a lot of speckled trout, 23 to 26 inches, right off the beach without a boat, and I, I think a lot of people don't know that. And um, I hope to show it on YouTube if I can uh, get into some of them here soon. I bet you will. I believe in you. <laughs> and you're right. It's been a weird set of years, so I get that. Uh, well, holding off on that one, because I totally forgot about it. It's been an hour and 18 minutes. That means... Your Baycheck, your third and final Baycheck for this show. This at Baycheck has been brought to you by TrueBraid. At TrueBraid.com, he's got all different poundage for braided line if you're your inshore and if you can pick your favorite color. And if you're an indecisive, you can get the multicolor. I use TrueBraid. I like his stuff. Alex made a really good product. If you wanted to know more about that, we also did an episode not too long ago. You can go back and take a look listen to that. And he explains a lot of things about how braid is made and strengths and weaknesses. And really good stuff right there. So head on over to TrueBraid.com. Take a look at the gear he's got. All right, so down to the final three, guys. You're almost home free. <laughs> JR, over to you. <laughs> if someone new was visiting to Mississippi to fish, what recommendations would you offer? Uh, I think I'd start out with, uh, I think, number one thing along our coast, if you're going to come down to our area and fish and you don't have a whole lot of knowledge of the area, is uh, to keep your bait off the bottom. Uh David can back me up on this. We're, we're probably the, the hardhead catfish capital of the Gulf Coast. <laughs> we, get, we deal with a lot of hardheads around here, and I, I think a lot of that is getting that bait up off the bottom, whether it be live shrimp um, or even uh, finger mullet, anything along those lines. That would be one of the things that I would suggest. 
cast nets are, are fairly cheap when it comes to uh, what you would spend on buying live bait. So it's a good investment, especially at this time of year. It's nothing to go right off the beach and actually catch the bait you need. Uh, like I said, the shrimp have really moved in. You can get them right off the shore uh, first thing in the morning, as well as finger mullet. Uh, the, the menhaden pogies have moved in. So my suggestion would actually be uh, to get you some get you some live bait and actually keep it up off the bottom, whether that be in their popping cork or free lining. That would be that would be my suggestion. All right, cool. Good point. I like it. Stay away from the cats. We can eat them, but there's better fish out there. <laughs> David, what you got for your recommendation? I would say if you're coming here for the first time, you're visiting here to fish, drive down the beach on Highway 90 on low tide. Look at the sandbars. You'll see them. They'll be sticking out of the water. Go back when the tide is high and cast something in there like a live shrimp or a live mullet under a cork. Throw it out there in that deep gully between those sandbars and wait for the magic to happen. Talk to the guy at the bait shop. You know, they know what's going on. If they're catching shrimp and that's what they've got primarily to sell in their shop, then that means the shrimp are in and that's probably what the fish are feeding on. And that's what's running through here. If they're catching croakers, then fish with croakers. You know, they know what's going on. They know what bait is moving through and, you know, match the hatch. Throw what, what they're catching. And that's going to be the best and easiest way to fish is with live bait right on the beach in between those sandbars. There's going to be speckled trout coming into those sandbars and redfish and flounder in those prime areas. And it's going to happen when the tide's moving. So go when the tide is moving. Go when the water is high and cast between those sandbars. Nice. Okay. Well, you kind of nailed this one already, David. What you, I think you're going to add to it. And JR, this one's for, uh, over to you first. What would you recommend a new angler does before ever putting a line in the water? Uh, like you said, David answered quite a bit of that already. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't even know if I should ask this. I mean, you kind of crushed it. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, location. Um, you know, do some, uh, even jumping on Google Maps, uh, you know, it, and I kind of picked up on this a few weeks ago. I actually traveled up to West Virginia uh, to visit some family, and I had a small opportunity to fish. And the first thing I did was is jump on Google Maps, you know, get an idea of what the area is like. And you, can, you can learn a lot, um, whether it be, like David said, sandbars. I don't know how often they update Google Maps, but just just using that as a tool to kind of give you an idea of, of areas to fish. Uh, not only that, jumping on some local Facebook pages will help you out a lot. Uh, you know, research you know, uh, Gulfport and surrounding areas, the, the fishing groups, and, and see what others are doing, see what's working for them, and, and make a game plan based off that. Cool. All right. Uh, David, you did crush it, but is there anything you wanted to add? <laughs> well, I would say, you know, I took some people out fishing recently that didn't have a lot of experience. And I would say, you know, get familiar with the equipment, you know, how to cast, how to tie a good knot. You know, being out on the water is, is, is not the time to learn that stuff. You can have a frustrating experience. You want to be efficient with your time. So get familiar with your equipment. And, you know, if you're new to it, I would say, you know, use live bait. That's the best place to start. Uh, you don't have to do anything, but just wait for the fish to hit. You know, it's simple, it's easy. And then later on, if you get interested in artificials, you know, you can ease your way into it once you get some confidence. 
on where to fish. And you know, I've been taking my son fishing several times over the last year, and every time, you know, I've got either live bait for him to use or some some fresh dead shrimp or some some cut mullet or something. And that's a great way to start. You know, it's easy to do. I would do that first. You know, the artificials, they can take some time and experience to learn how to use, and that'll come. But, you know, go out, build your confidence, use some live bait, use some cut bait, and you'll catch fish. You know, it might be a hard-head catfish, but you're going to catch something. You're still going to catch. I can almost guarantee you're going to catch. You know, you're going you're gonna to build that confidence, and then you can uh, work your way into targeting stuff later on if you want to, you know, and you might be good using the live bait, uh, the whole time. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, man. All right. Final question. JR, you get the lead off. What's next for you? Uh, to continue to just, just grow the channel, come up with new ideas on areas to fish around the coast. Um, uh, you, know, you know, eventually we're going to have some, some more cooler weather coming and I haven't done a whole lot of fishing in the cooler water, cooler cooler weather. You know, David mentioned earlier how these speckled trout, uh, once that water cools down, they don't really mind the less salinity as much. So a lot of these speckled trout will move into our river systems, and that's something that I'm looking forward to trying out that I haven't had a lot of experience in. You know, chasing these trout down in the, in the wintertime, looking for them in these deeper pockets along our river systems as well as getting into more sheep's head fishing in the, in the wintertime. That seems to be a big hit, at least for uh, some of my videos, doing some underwater footage uh, with sheep's head fishing. It's, it's, it's been a big hit for me, so I'm looking forward to getting back into more of that style of fishing. Nice, dude. I hope you have a successful winter with that, and I'm sure you're going to do phenomenal things with the channel growth. So congratulations on where it is so far, and it, it's only going to get better. That. Well, thank you. David, what you got? What's next for you? Man, I just got a second GoPro camera, and I've been filming with just one for the longest time, and I have two now. And I'm going to try to take my videos up to the next level, you know, with filming and editing. And I filmed two trips already with, with two cameras, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it. It's a disaster so far, <laughs> but <laughs> I think I'll get there eventually going to try to make some higher quality videos and you know i'm i'm kind of like jr i kind of want to diversify some i you know i go out and fish for speckled trout over and over and i guess i'm probably repeating myself so you know as we get into fall the sheep's head fishing will, will get good as we get into fall and early winter so i'm probably going to try to do some of that and and i'll tell you know people you know here in mississippi september and october bull redfish and jack crevel school up and run up and down the beach and it's a great time to go catch them you can catch them waiting on the beach you don't have to have a boat wow and i caught a jack crevel last october in one of my videos i think i'm going to go out and try to catch one on purpose it was kind of an accident last time but i think i'm going to try to shake it up some and do more than just speckled trout over and over and people are really into speckled trout but there's other fish out there too so I'm going to try to do some different things in my videos and, you know, try to make something for everybody. And, you know, tr I'm really interested in triple tail. I don't know much about catching them, but I want to learn that too. So just going to try to do different things and try to make better videos and see what happens. 
Nice, man. Well, it's funny that you guys bring this up. So I'm going to kind of close it down here with a little bit of a interesting point. Over here, you guys have heard me. We talked a little bit about a pre-show. Pompano. Pompano is like the fish to catch in the panhandle of Florida. Everybody wants to catch it. You know, from the surf, that's the fun one. Good table fare, fun fight. You know, you got your reds. We would love getting our red drum. Easy to catch from the beach, you know, with the right bait. And real fun anyway from you know, the puppies all the way up to bulls. Yeah, it, you can get the, the myriad. The wintertime runs around. We're going to start seeing our 38, 40-inch black drum. The big uglies, they're all going to come in. But all of this stuff is interesting for the, the I guess the point I'm trying to make with that was I got on our train there sorry my brain shut down is with what you guys are talking about with speckle trout is something that people are especially here are going to be able well how are you catching speckle trout and now it gives us an avenue to go see how people catch spe- speckle trout or how you're going to go after sheep's head like in your kayak JR that's going to be something like all right how do you do it let's take a look at this underwater footage how do you catch these fish this network that we have of social media and anglers, and one thing I'm very fortunate about on this podcast, is being able to talk to so many people that fish different ways and have different methods that work in their area for us to try. Uh, and the stuff that you guys are doing is going to work here, and it's just like the stuff we do here is probably going to work there. So thank you guys both for being so open and honest with all your fishing information and in sharing the knowledge that you've gained so far, because it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Yeah, man, that, that's what it's all about. I, I try to, when I make a video, I try to show the trip the way it really unfolded. You know, sometimes you have a trip and you just go out there and start whacking them right away from the first cast. But a lot of times you have to experiment and try different things and move around. And I try to tell the story in my video in hopes that it'll help somebody else if they find themselves in the same situation. You can see, oh, I remember that worked for that guy. You know, he did this thing or that thing, and then he had some success. And I try to show that in the video as best I can because speckled trout behave the same way everywhere. I've caught them over there in Perdido Bay and the bay in Destin. It starts with the letter C. I don't want to say it. Chocolahatchee, maybe. Yeah, hey, you're right there. There you go. You got it. Did I get it right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I've caught speckled trout in that bay there and in Perdido Bay, same way they are in Mississippi, you know, and they behave the same way. So if somebody's into catching speckled trout, the way we catch them in Mississippi, it'll work over there in Florida and in Alabama too. I know it will. And I just want to help people, you know, and try to show people this is how the fishing trip unfolded. This is what worked in hopes that it might help somebody. Yeah. Well, you guys are awesome. Thank you again so much for uh, taking the time, coming on the show, sharing your knowledge, and uh, and just being here. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's no problem at all. We we appreciate you having us on as well. And, and like David said, you know, I'm by no means a pro in posting these videos. I'm learning in the process as well. So, and I try to I try to show that in the videos where something I've never tried before actually ends up working out. Um, whether that be fishing for a sheep's head in, in a certain situation or a different way, I'm learning as I go. And I'm hoping that kind of pulls through in the video where it does help out any other anglers that might be watching it. Uh, and that it helps me grow and, and hopefully it helps somebody else learn some, some information they might not have known. Yes. Yeah, JR makes great, great videos. And he, he makes, he, 
he fishes hard and he has success. And I'm by no means an expert either. I, I've fished for a long time down here and I have success on, on many trips, but I'm no mean, by no means an expert, but I just want to share what I love with people and try to help them out. You guys are definitely doing that. So thanks again for coming on the show. We look forward to talking to you guys soon, and uh, I, I know we'll catch up again. Sounds good. We sure appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you, Brian. It was fun. Likewise. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. I hope this episode was helpful for you, especially if you're going to go out to the Mississippi area. But also a lot of the knowledge, like we were talking about at the end there, is going to transfer into whatever fisher you're in. It doesn't matter what state you are. The fish are going to act a lot, are going to act similar. They're going to go after a lot of the same baits, the same techniques, the same movements. So I hope this was helpful for you. If it was, don't forget, share it out there. Somebody's going to need this knowledge because it's going to make them a better angler. And as always, make sure you go back and take a look at Salt Sippy Fishing on YouTube and Facebook. And J.R. Clayhorn, almost says your last name wrong, but sorry about that. Uh, Mississippi Salt, same thing, YouTube and Facebook. Lots of great information and lots of good stuff to share. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Thanks for being here. We will see you next week. Same days on Friday. I'll see you.